to take you all the way back this morning to the year 1958. It was before I was born. I won't have you raise your hands for who was alive, but some of you might remember this. 1958 was the year that Elvis Presley was drafted into the army. And uh, young women all over the United States were in an absolute panic because Elvis Presley was being drafted into the army. And what happened was there were literally thousands of young women who wrote letters to President Eisenhower protesting his draft into the army. And I just happened to have a photocopy of one of those letters that was sent to President Eisenhower. It's up on your screen. This letter comes from three young women from Knoxon, Montana. How many of you know where Knoxon, Montana is? All right, just over the border from uh, Sandpoint, Idaho. And, and these three young women say, Dear President Eisenhower, my girlfriends and I are writing all the way from Montana. We think it is bad enough to send Elvis Presley in the army, but if you cut his sideburns off, we will just die. <laughs> You don't know how we fell about him. I think they meant feel about him. I really don't see why you have to send him in the army at all, but we beg you, please, please don't give him a GI haircut. Oh, please, please don't. If you do, we will just about die. And it's signed Elvis Presley lovers, Linda Kelly, Sherry Bain, and Mickey Matson. And then down in the corner, it says, Presley, Presley is our cry, P-R-E-S-L-E-Y. Is that awesome? That, this comes from a book that I have called Letters of Note. It's a bunch of historical letters. And I just use that this morning because we are launching into another reading of an ancient, ancient letter, uh, a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians that's included in your Bibles. And uh, as Kelly shared earlier, we're just really excited to be launching here into 2 Corinthians. We're titling this message series, JPS and subtitling Turn-by-Turn Turn Navigation with Jesus. And so uh, here we go. I'm very, very excited. This letter, the second letter to the Corinthians, is very different from the letter that we studied last fall, 1 Corinthians. Um, and, and this letter, 2 Corinthians, has some very practical advice for us about what it means to choose Jesus as our navigator. And in this series, it's going to be less Jesus take the wheel and more Jesus, how do I navigate this life? One of the things that I love about 2 Corinthians is Jesus Christ is infused through the whole letter. If you choose to read with us and go through this journey with us uh, in, the, in the next 10 weeks or so, you're going to find that we're going to learn a lot about Jesus and who he is, what, what the title Christ means and, and how that's significant to us. And, and it's when we choose to make Jesus as our navigator that we're really going to find that we're living a life of empowerment and transformation and we can transform this world. Today, in, in just providing an introduction to this whole teaching series, I want to talk about one of the main themes that you're going to find in the book of 2 Corinthians as you read through it, and it's the theme of suffering. Now, lots of us have experienced suffering. Lots of us are going through really difficult times now. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but if you've ever gone through a hard time and you've really suffered, you know that you're asking the question, Jesus, how do I navigate how do I get through this season? And in this letter, uh, a lot of scholars call 2 Corinthians Paul's most personal letter. He talks about himself and, and just puts his heart out on the line in this letter more than any other letter. In this letter, he talks a lot about his personal suffering. And as we read through the letter, you find that there's, there's two things that come up that he talks about a lot of times. Uh, one of the reasons he's suffering is because of his broken relationship with the Christians in Corinth. Now, you might remember from last semester, if you were with us, 
that Paul had actually planted the church in Corinth. He had, he, he had gone to Corinth, he preached in the synagogues, he, he, he preached in the marketplace, he led all kinds of people to Jesus, and, and then when he went on to other cities to plant more churches, uh, the, the Corinthians started to say, well, you know, we don't think Paul's all that impressive. We, we think there's better teachers out there, and this relationship became broken, and, and Paul describes that broken relationship as being something that brought him deep, deep suffering. Have you ever had a broken relationship with someone that made you suffer? Then, then you know what, what Paul felt like. Now, I'm not going to talk about that a lot today. We'll get to that in coming weeks. But the other source of Paul's suffering was persecution. Paul was persecuted because he was a witness of Jesus Christ. And he talks about this throughout the book, his suffering because of persecution. And today I want to talk about this particular topic, persecution, because it's really relevant for us today. We are seeing a rise of, of persecution against Christians all over the world, including America. And if you keep your eyes on the news and on current events, you know that there is more and more persecution of Christians everywhere, including right here at home. Now, when, when I say that, I know that some people will push back a little bit and, and, and some, someone might say, well, you know, Christians really aren't being persecuted in America. It's nothing like it was in the first century. Nobody's getting their head cut off. Nobody's being burned at the stake. Nobody's being fed to the lions. And, and that might be true, although around the world, there's horrible, horrible persecution of Christians. But here in America, I, I, I want to argue today that there really is persecution in our country by the definition of what the word means. Persecution actually includes hostility, ill treatment, especially because of race or political or religious beliefs. So anytime we see Christians facing hostility and unjust treatment, it is not unfair to say they are being persecuted. And we see it all over the place today. Now, here's the deal. Persecution may come to us when we activate our witness publicly. Persecution can come to us when we activate our witness publicly. What do I mean by that? Well, the word witness just means very simply when we start talking about the fact that we have experienced Jesus. If you stand up and say publicly or to a friend or to a coworker, to your boss, whatever, I've had an experience with Jesus. He has changed my life. I am transformed because of Jesus. Or this is what I believe. I believe Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead and he sits at the right hand of God. This is what it means to witness for Jesus. Doesn't necessarily mean you're knocking on doors and passing out tracts. It's just saying, I am talking about what Jesus has done for me. That means you're a witness. And when we activate that witness publicly, it can bring on persecution for many of us. It's a hard reality. But listen, right here at Connect, we have people that witness about their experience with Jesus all the time. Um, I think about you, Kathy. Kathy Bushnell is sitting right there in the back. Kathy is one of the most powerful witnesses we have at Connect. She is talking about Jesus to her coworkers all the time, invites them to church. People are experiencing Jesus because Kathy is a powerful witness for Jesus. Um, Dan Boss, sitting right down here in the front. Dan talks about Jesus all. We've got connectors who have had their lives absolutely transformed because Dan talks about his relationship with Jesus and helps them encounter Jesus and grow in Jesus. That's what it means to be a witness. Now, I don't know if you guys have experienced persecution. I don't know if you feel like you've experienced persecution, but the reality is when we step up and we become active witnesses for Jesus, it can bring persecution to us. Let me give you an example of how persecution has come to one man. You may have heard in the last couple of years of Coach Joe Kennedy. He's from Bremerton, Washington. And he's a guy who activated his witness of Jesus and experienced a lot of persecution. Take a look at this. 
We talked with Coach Kennedy, who says he was a little bit nervous to get back to coaching after eight years, but says ultimately all he wanted to do was get back here on the sidelines. It was a typical high school football practice with the Bremerton Knights getting in shape for their first Friday night lights. But this season, a familiar face back on the coaching staff. Joe Kennedy is back as an assistant coach after being fired in 2015 for praying with players on the field. The district told him to stop and he refused. His contract was not renewed the next season. He sued and the case made its way to the Supreme Court where in a 6-3 majority vote, the court ruled his prayers were protected by the First Amendment. His job reinstated in March and back on the field for the first time Wednesday in eight years. I wish I could say that it was easy. Um, you know, looking back, it, it's been a long road and many heartbreaking years, but you know, it's great that it it's finally worked out, but it's been tough. Everybody that's been supporting me and praying for me across the United States, I mean, that was millions of people. That's what kept me going and, and kept me in this fight. The school district says it looks forward to moving past the legal distraction and that it will fully comply with the court's order to treat Mr. Kennedy's personal religious conduct the way the district treats all other personnel conduct by coaches at football games. And when I first, uh, you know, had to bring the lawsuit, it was only asking for two things, and it was to be able to be a coach and to be able to pray after a football game. The only thing I asked for, that's what they've given me back, and I'm looking forward to doing that on a Friday night. Coach Kennedy tells us he's taking it one day at a time, and the focus now is the first game, which is Friday, September 1st. In Bremerton, Julie Calhoun, King 5 News. Awesome. Awesome. Now, this is what persecution may look like. It happened to Coach Joe Kennedy. It happens to lots of Christians. Paul the Apostle faced incredible persecution. I'm going to talk about some of it today. It's infused in this letter to the, second, to, to the Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians. And we know that Jesus faced persecution, obviously, right? So the question that I want to ask today is this. Jesus, how do we navigate persecution. Jesus, how do we navigate persecution? Today I'm going to share with you three directives about navigating persecution when Jesus is your JPS. Did you get the little pun there? I didn't really explain it. You know, GPS, J, do you get it? J for Jesus? I'm just checking. I, you know, some people are slow. None of us here, and there's no bad fathers in the room. Okay, so um, how do we navigate persecution? Let me give you three directives. Here's number one. First thing that I want you to think about today is don't be surprised. Don't be surprised by persecution. Persecution was actually predicted by Jesus, and it was predicted by Paul for the people who were coming to Jesus under his ministry. Let me take you to the book of Matthew. This is what Jesus said. This is actually from the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock you and when they persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of things against you because you are my followers. Okay, now this is a little hard to swallow. Would you agree with me? You're blessed when people do all that stuff to you? That, that, but this is what Jesus said. Verse 12 says, Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And then he says this, and this is the critical part in my mind. Jesus said, And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. And I want you to know that this is powerful. If you are persecuted because of your witness for Jesus, it's actually a stamp of authenticity on your life. You are joining a great cloud of witnesses who endured persecution and made a huge impact on the world. It's a stamp of authenticity. If you're persecuted, it means that your witness is effective. And you might be tempted to think that persecution in America is on the rise because America is going to hell in a handbasket. I hear a lot of people saying that. Actually, I think... There's a lot of evidence that indicates that there's a different reason why persecution is on the rise. 
it, it, it's because for decades, Christians had stopped talking about Jesus in the public square. For decades, Christians had taken a back seat. They let, they let secular people and non-believers create all the movies. They let non-believers create all the good music. They let non-believers be the people that sat in Congress and, and, and took political power. And at some point in the last 30 or 40 years, Christians began to rise up and they said, I need to be a good influence on in our society not that we're trying to create a theocracy, but because we're trying to bring blessing to our, to our culture, to our people. And when Christians started talking about Jesus and witnessing to Jesus and enacting good things, it's only natural that the enemy pushes back and the persecution comes. Is it possible that persecution's on the rise because our witness is becoming more and more effective in this country? Is that possible? I think it's absolutely possible. If you think about some of the things, I, just think about movies that have come out in the last year or two. I, Christian movies used to be terrible. Would you agree with me? And we've seen some absolutely fantastic, powerful movies that are witnessing to the power of Jesus Christ in our culture, and they're gaining traction, and they're having an influence. Does that make the enemy mad? Yes. Does it make people who are opposed to Jesus mad and do terrible things? Yes. And it's a stamp of authenticity that we're on the right track, and we're doing the right things. At least according to Jesus, it is. If you want to do a little bit of a ribbon chase this week, you could read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I, I didn't put this on the screen, but there's a couple of verses in chapter 2 that talk about the fact that Christians carry an aroma. Have you ever read these verses in 2 Corinthians 2? It says Christians carry an aroma. It's very interesting. Paul says, and to those who are being saved, it's the aroma of life. But to those who are not being saved, it's the aroma of death. In other words, to those of us that are pursuing Christ, when, when we speak up and we witness for Christ, we smell great. But to people who are living in opposition to Jesus, what they smell on us is their own death. Do you get that? And it makes them angry. And, and so there's a whole line of persecution that will come because we smell like Jesus. So I believe Jesus would say to us today, don't be surprised. He actually says, be very glad. And Paul wasn't surprised either. Here's what he said right at the beginning of 2 Corinthians. He said, the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. Everybody say the word comfort. comfort. What Paul is saying is you can, you can trust God to come alongside of you. When you're, when you're suffering for your witness, you can, you can trust that God is going to be right alongside of you, carrying you, picking you up, helping you along the way. And then he finishes by saying this, uh, we ourselves are comforted and we will certainly comfort you and you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. You see, there's a, there's a purpose that God can bring about when we suffer persecution. He can actually enable us to help other people who are going through tough times. And we shouldn't be surprised when persecution comes. Is this hard? Yes. Should we be shocked when persecution comes? No. Not if you're paying attention to Jesus. Not if you're paying attention to Jesus as your navigator. So the first thing I want to share with you is don't be surprised. Here's number two. Second directive is this. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because, listen, here's the deal. Persecution will actually open the door for more influence. Persecution will actually open the door for you to have more influence. 
I don't know if you caught this when, when we were watching that video from, from Coach Joe Kennedy, but he said that there were literally millions of people all across the United States who were lifting him up and cheering him on and praying for him. He's a coach in a relatively small town. How did he get that kind of attention? He got it because the persecution was intense and it opened the doors. It opened the doors for him to be on television stations. Every newspaper in America was talking about Judge Joe Kennedy, especially last year when the case went to the Supreme Court. It opened the doors for an incredible influence for this otherwise really insignificant man. So don't be discouraged. In the book of Acts, there's this great account of the life of Paul. And it's really interesting. I, 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 I looked into the dating of this account. If you want to kind of follow along with me, it's in Acts chapter 21 if you want to open your Bible, although I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. Acts chapter 21 through 25 is a very long account of this persecution of the Apostle Paul. And what's interesting to me is, is uh, it, it appears that this account in the book of Acts took place after Paul wrote the letter the, the letter of 1 Corinthians, and before the letter of 2 Corinthians. So when he talks about his personal persecution in 2 Corinthians, he's probably referencing this account in Acts 21 through 25. Here, here's kind of what happens. In Acts chapter 21, it talks about how Paul had gone back to Jerusalem. He'd, he'd been traveling around Asia, planting churches all over, the, all, all over the place. And of course, if you remember, one of Paul's main ministries was he was leading Gentiles to Jesus and reconciling them to God. Previously, Jewish people didn't really want Gentiles to be a part of their faith. In fact, it was illegal for, for Gentiles to even go into the temple. Because of Jesus, the curtain was torn. The way was opened for everybody to come into relationship with the Father. And Paul is proclaiming that to Gentiles. He comes back to Jerusalem. And he's hobnobbing around Jerusalem with some of his Gentile Christian friends. And then he goes into the temple to worship. And when he did, some people got all wrapped up, all, all twisted up because they, they said he had brought Gentiles into the temple. Now, he didn't. He was there just worshiping by himself. But because he'd been seen in town with Gentiles, they, they brought these charges against him. And, and what it says in, the, in, in Acts 21 is actually a riot broke out in all of Jerusalem, and the people were calling for Paul to be killed. Now, of course... You might remember Paul, before he met Jesus, was running around persecuting Christians. He was even responsible for the death of some Christians. So, wow, what, what crazy irony this is now that the Jews are calling for his death. But there was so much violence in the streets of Jerusalem that somebody called for the Roman consulate. And, and of course, you know that Jerusalem at the time was under the control of Rome. So the military sweeps in, they stop the riot, they rescue Paul and they take him and they're trying to figure out what in the world Paul has done wrong. Now the story is very long and very complex, but here's what I want you to know. At, at some point in the story, Paul announces that he is a citizen of Rome. Now, this is important because most Jews weren't Roman citizens because they were born in Israel. Paul had been born in Tarsus, which was in a Roman territory, and so he carried a Roman citizenship, and you could not be flogged, you could not be punished, you could not be imprisoned, you certainly couldn't be put to death as a Roman citizen without a trial. Very, very much like in America, you have the right to a trial, right? And so Paul said, I'm a Roman citizen, what do you think you're doing? And everybody just gets all, right? And so they didn't know what to do with him. Did you like that? That was kind of, that was weird. So they threw Paul in prison, and he sat in prison for two years, and eventually he said, listen, I want to appeal to Caesar. And when he said he would appeal to Caesar, it was like appealing to the Supreme Court of the United States. And they were obligated, because he was a Roman citizen, to send him to Rome to, to, to his appeal. Now, here's what I want you to see. Buried in this account, in, uh, in chapter 23, verse 11, Paul's in prison. And verse 11 says, That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said this, 
Listen very carefully. The Lord said, be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. What was the Lord saying to Paul? He was saying, listen, Paul, you've had, you've had great influence. You've planted churches all over Asia. But now because of this persecution that you are suffering, your influence is going to expand to the biggest city, the most influential city in the world. And people in, in Rome are going to hear you speak and, and it's going to increase your influence manifold. Is that the right word? Exponentially, that's what I meant to say. And, and this is what, what, what we can take heart to is, is when we experience persecution, we don't have to feel discouraged. We don't have to feel discouraged because it opens the door to influence. In fact, I think it's really interesting that the word encouraged is used in this verse. And in the Greek language, that means to be of good courage, to be of good cheer. The Lord was saying to Paul, listen, don't lose your courage. Do you know what the word discouraged means? It's dis and courage. It means you've got no courage, got no guts. You've got no bravery. And what I want to tell you today is according to Paul's experience and what the Lord says to us in the scriptures, when we suffer persecution, don't be discouraged. There's a purpose, and it might just be opening the doors to more influence. I was talking to Natasha Cook this week, and, uh, and she's part of our teaching team, and we were working on this together earlier this week, and Tosh was telling me, many of you might know that she's a social media influencer. Well, you are. Don't you have a blue check? You don't. Well, you're well on your way. But Tosh, Tosh was telling me uh, how, how in the early days of her business, when she was shipping off product to customers, she would j just drop in a little sticker or a note or something that said, Jesus loves you. And she began to get some pushback on her social media pages from customers that didn't appreciate a sticker that said, Jesus loves you. And so... Uh, and so what happened is it, it, it stirred up a whole controversy on her social media pages. Now, for, for most of us, that would freak us out, right? What happened for her is her followers started to exponentially, that's the word I want, her followers started to exponentially uh, multiply. She attracted all kinds of followers because I don't know why. But all of a sudden, Tosh had way more influence than she had before because she put herself out there she witnessed for Jesus, and when the persecution came, she stepped into it courageously. She didn't let the pushback discourage her. Does that make sense? So don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged. And lastly this morning, what I want to share with you is this. Don't give in to despair. Don't give in to despair. I already talked about how at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, Paul says that when we're persecuted, we're going to experience all kinds of comfort. The God of comfort is going to come alongside of us and help us. But then in chapter 4, Paul shares these promises with us. I want you to see it. It's coming up here on the screen. These promises that are so powerful. Paul says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Do you see? These are promises to you when you in, encounter these hardships, when people come against you because of your witness. You have these promises you can stand on. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Somebody should say thank you, Jesus, right there. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. What powerful, powerful promises that, that when we encounter these, these pushbacks, these persecutions, the ridicule, the rejection, whatever it is, even lawsuits, loss of job. I, I can't even imagine the suffering that Coach Joe Kennedy must have gone through 
He lost his livelihood because of his witness for Jesus. And for eight years, he was in a legal battle that went all the way to the Supreme Court. He suffered. But all of these promises, I'm sure he must have leaned into. And you and I can lean into those as well. We don't despair. Paul went on to say, yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. When Paul says us, he's talking about himself and his colleague Timothy, who was a co-writer of this letter. And the two of them were constantly under the danger of death. But what he's saying here is it, this resulted in eternal life for you, the Corinthians. You see, when, when we understand when we understand that our witness is making a difference in the world and that our witness can result in eternal life for other people if we will step forward and say, listen, Jesus has changed my life and he can change your life as well. It makes the suffering worthwhile. At least it did for Paul and Timothy. He said, there's a result that is worth the danger. And he pushed in until the very end. Jesus said, you're blessed when you're persecuted. Jesus said, you're blessed when people mock you, when they ridicule you. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but you have to understand that there can be incredible results when we step up and we we become witnesses for Jesus. That changes people's lives. Don't give in to despair. Now, I want to end this way, and then we're going to talk about our our groups. Just in my research this week, I I came upon a website that had, I thought, a really helpful list of how we can respond to persecution right here at home in America. This This doesn't come from the Bible. Well, it does come from the Bible. It doesn't come from 2 Corinthians. Uh, But I'm just going to go through these quickly because I found them helpful. The first thing, if we're going to respond well to persecution, love your enemies and pray for them. That's what Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 5. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. Be shrewd. When Jesus said to be shrewd, what he was saying was you've got to be smart. You've got to be wise. Don't be stupid, okay, when you're when you're out there witnessing for Jesus, don't don't put yourself in a place that's just gonna intentionally, you know, you're not trying to be a martyr, so, so be smart, that's what Jesus said. Fourthly, pray for your leaders to do what's right. Paul said that in 1 Timothy. Use the courts. Listen, as Americans, do you know how blessed we are to live in a country where we have a great constitution And generally speaking, we've got laws that are in alignment with what is right. And it is not wrong for us to use the courts to fight against uh, injustice and persecution as Christian people. I believe that what Joe Kennedy did was good for our country. It was good for all of us, whether you're a Christian or any other religion. Uh, Use the courts. Number six. This one's so important. Obey obey Jesus, not Caesar. It's so tempting sometimes for us to think that the laws of the land trump the laws of Jesus. They don't. Don't conform to the world's standards, Romans 12, and live in truth, Proverbs 20, 20, 23. And this last one just goes along with everything I've already said today. Be confident and trust God. If you didn't get all those down, you could take a picture of the screen. Ron's trying, and I stepped in the way, didn't I? You got it? Okay. I want to pray. And then before you just dash out of here, I want to talk about our groups this morning. 
Why don't you put your things aside? Would, would you do this with me? I, I'm, I'm a big believer in postures that communicate something. Would you just raise your hands like this in a posture of surrender? Surrender to King Jesus. Would you do this? And would you just agree with me as I pray for all of us? Jesus, we confess today that you are our king. Jesus, you are the one that we choose to follow. It's beautiful because you don't coerce any of us into being followers of Jesus. You invite us, and we've said yes to you. And so, so Jesus, we just want to say at the very start of this prayer, we surrender ourselves to you as king. And Jesus, we want to pray for the people in our government, the people who are enacting laws, for the people who are in our judicial system as Americans. We want to pray like, like we were taught to do by Jesus. Lord, will you give them great wisdom to do the right thing? We want to pray for our fellow Christians, Jesus, who are doing things to witness to Jesus and to, to be blessings in our culture, to bring goodness and rightness to our culture. We pray for them. People like Joe Kennedy, Lord, we pray for protection. We pray for wisdom. We pray for goodness in their lives. We pray for our president, Lord. We pray for wisdom for him. We pray for discernment, Lord, of, of what things will bless America and not bring cursing on America. We pray for our churches, Jesus. We pray for Connect. And we pray for the other churches of our city and our state and our nation, Jesus, that, that we will be people who will witness actively and effectively and convincingly for who you are. And Jesus, we just pray that you will bless us we pray that you will bless our country, bless our world. And Lord, as we encounter persecution and suffering, Jesus, we pray that you will help us to not be surprised, to not be discouraged, and not to give in to despair. Give us hope and courage and, and strength to go all the way on the path that you've called us to. And Jesus, thank you for being a faithful navigator in this life. Amen. Amen. One more thing. Would you just, in this, in this room, all over this room, would you just bow your heads and, and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. I, I realized as soon as I started praying that I asked you all to do something that maybe not everybody was comfortable to do because I asked you to raise your hands and surrender to Jesus, and maybe you're here today, and that's not who you are. And if you have not surrendered to Jesus, can I just pray for you? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or call you out in any way. I just, I just want to pray for you. Jesus, in a room with this many people, I imagine there, that there are some who have not said, Jesus, you're my king. I want to pray for them today, Jesus. I want to pray, Lord, that you will reveal yourself to them. I pray that just like Paul, you will interrupt their lives with your presence, with your voice, with, with a vision of who you are, with a revelation, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and and, and that you are calling them into your kingdom, into your kingship. And Lord, I just pray for goodness and grace on any person here today that is not yet walking with you and declaring you as king. Jesus, I pray 
for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, you doing all right? Okay. Elbow your neighbor in the ribs if they're sleeping. Okay. Want to take just a couple of minutes to talk about groups. Um, This week, most of our groups are launching. We had, uh, I think, at least one group last week that launched, and we've got a couple that are launching in a couple of weeks. But I just want to give you a little bit of information about what's happening with our groups here at Connect. Many of our groups are going to be reading through 2 Corinthians uh, along with the weekly messages that we'll be bringing on Sundays. And I have, I'm very proud of myself, Last semester, I created a discussion guide, and I only got it half done before we handed it out. This one is full and complete, and it's done, and it's spiral-bound, and I'm real proud. Um, And so those of you that are in 2 Corinthians groups, you can pick those up at the back, and and there's just all kinds of goodness in here. Let let me tell you what what this is. Uh, Here at Connect, we're, we're really taking it seriously that we have a responsibility for people to develop what I'm calling biblical literacy. Do you know that most people in America that call themselves Christians rarely read their Bible, and when they do, they don't, they don't understand it. They don't get it. And so we're, we're feeling like Jesus is calling us to swim against that stream and help connectors really learn how to read the Bible and how to understand the Bible. And so what this, what this discussion guide is for is it gives you some simple directives for you to read a chapter a week. We're going just one chapter a week. Last semester we did two a week, and, and a lot of you said it was too fast, it was too much. So we're doing one chapter a week. And so this will give you some directives for what to read, what to look for. And then there's a bunch of discussion questions for you to read and prepare for for your small group discussion question whenever your group meets. Now, it's, it's intended for you to have to do the digging yourself. Years ago, I was introduced to a method of Bible study called inductive Bible study. I don't know if any of you have done inductive Bible study, but the idea of it is most of the time when we go to Sunday school classes or we go to you know, any kind of Christian education thing, usually what we do is we have a, a book that tells us what to believe and we have a teacher that reinforces what we believe and we just have people talking. Nah, 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 nah. And if you know anything about people who study that stuff, you only retain, what is it, about 5% of what you hear, right? You retain a little bit more if you write it down, which is why we have notes every Sunday. But do you know how you retain maximally is if you learn it for yourself, if you dig it out yourself. And so this book doesn't tell you what you should believe or what you should learn. This book gives you some directions for how you can dig it out yourself. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to learn it, you're going to remember it, and it's going to change your life because that's what the scripture does. Does that make sense? So I'm not going to lie. This is hard. And I had a few people tell me, um, it's just hard. It's hard to do last semester. I didn't make it any easier, but it's because our goal is to develop some biblical literacy. You and I need to know what the Bible says, and we need to know what it means. Now, the groups are the resource for you to be able to come and say, I don't get it. When Paul said we smell like death to people that don't believe, what does that mean? That's real weird, okay? Your group will help you understand it. They'll help you dig deeper. They'll bring clarification for you. And if your group leader doesn't know the answers, they can talk to me or they can talk to Kelly. They can talk to some of our leaders. We will help you. We want you to grow in your Bible literacy. That's why this is so important. Now, we've got eight groups that are, are forming, and they're, they're all open. They're ready to go. I'm going to talk about those in just a second. But I do want to say this. If a group doesn't fit into your schedule, by all means, pick up a book. You could work through this. Read a chapter a week out of, out of 2 Corinthians. Answer the questions. You could talk it over with your family over a meal, or you could get together with somebody coffee. This, this doesn't have to be one of our formal groups. It could just be you and a buddy. Okay, whatever you want to do with this, this is created for you to help you dig deeper. I work really hard on sermons every Sunday, every week. 
We work hard. We try to bring you great content. But you're never going to get the maximum effect out of the scriptures until you start digging on your own. I, I hope I'm making you hungry. Not for lunch. For the scriptures. I want you to grow. And I don't know a better way to do that than in groups who are reading the Bible together and digging it out together. Make sense? Okay, grab your phone or whatever you've got, uh, and I want you to open up the uh, Connect Church app. It's not the Connect Church app, it's the Church Center app. By the way, Noah just upgraded our Wi-Fi system here at Connect. And so uh, if you've ever had trouble connecting here, we have a whole new system. And Noah tells me that it's enough to handle all of us. So um, it's easy. Okay, if you get to the page that looks like this, just click on Welcome to Connect Church. And then what I want you to do is go to Connect. And then it says Join a Group. Are you with me? And here's all of our groups. I just want to call these out so you know what's going on. Uh, first group that's listed, on, at least on my app, is Hearts for Prayer with Missy Bell. Missy, will you stand and wave at everybody? This is a great group. This is a great group. They are not reading through 2 Corinthians, but they gather just to pray and intercede for our city. And Missy, I love what your group does. It's important. It's valuable. And you've got space for more, yes? All right. That's Missy's group. Life with the Brants. Come on, Brants. Stand up and wave at everybody. Do you have room for more in your group? Okay, room for more. Uh, they are reading 2 Corinthians. Uh, these two, before they were married, were in Chris and my group for New to Connect. And, and let me tell you, these are deep thinkers. They are, these are people that are passionate about Jesus. And they love helping people learn how to walk with Jesus. You couldn't pick a better group. Well, there's probably lots of better groups, but their group is great. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I just love these two. Mary and Martha with Carolyn and Marla. Marla's here. Carolyn's there. Oh, there's a wide gulf between you. Oh, okay. This is a group for women, and they are studying the armor of God. And so if you want to dig into, and a lot, of, a lot of their, they're doing something different because a lot of their group members go to other groups that'll be doing 2 Corinthians. But if you want to go deep into the armor of God, this is a great group for you. They start their group by discussing the sermon. Awesome. Hooray. Second Corinthians this quarter. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And you guys meet Tuesday at 9.30, that's 9.30 a.m., morning group, for ladies. Do you let guys come? No guys. Okay, no guys. <laughs> uh, Chris and I, my wife and I, lead a group for anybody who's new to connect. So if our church is new to you, you are welcome to sign up for our group. And we have kind of a secret little, um, we, ha we have a secret ad admissions policy. If you have never been into our, if you've never been in a group of ours before, you can come even if you're not new to connect, okay? So we are doing Second Corinthians. We've got a great group. We love our group. Uh, Thursday night at the Youngs. I didn't see the Youngs here. Um, and uh, <clears throat> the Youngs aren't here. I think this group needs a leader, if I'm not mistaken. And, and so if you want to join a group and you would be a good discussion leader, they host it in their home, but they really need a leader. That's a big need. This is a good group, good people in the group. It's a fairly, I don't know, 10 or 12 people, I think, in this group. And they're all really loving Jesus and they love being together, but we need somebody who could lead a discussion. So that's an option. Wednesday with the Vocals. Jeff and Julie, stand and give everybody a big wave. Wednesday night, withing with the vocals. You guys are not doing 2 Corinthians. You're going in another direction, uh, Bible prophecy and current events. Yeah. And uh, so that's a, a great group on Wednesdays. You've got a dozen-ish people? Yeah, I think so. Okay. 
and you've been together a long time. Great group, all right? And then west of 60s, uh, I don't see Keita here this morning. West of 60s meets about once a month for anybody who's 60 or older or anybody who has a spouse that's 60 or over. So when I go, I drag my wife with me, which is awesome. She keeps me young. And then uh, this, this last group will be the loudest group. It's Zillennials led by Kelly Hostetter. <laughs> Kelly, you should stand and wave at everybody. <clears throat> Hooray! Gen Z and Millennials, and they are reading through 2 Corinthians as well. Uh, who do you say yes to, Kelly? Gen Z and Millennials. All right. That was a dumb question. You can't go if you're a mom or a daddy? Oh, you can't go if your child goes. <laughs> so I can't go. I got it. <clears throat> they do have childcare available. So if you are a, a Gen Z or a millennial and you've got kids and need childcare, they have childcare. Okay? Now, your next step is to sign up for one of those groups. Or pick up a book. What am I missing? Kathy. Why is your group not in here? <laughs> Kathy, I would appeal to the Supreme Court if I were you. I think it's persecution. Okay, it's in the, it's, it's in the group. Can people talk to you, Kathy? Would you stand and wave at everybody? Stand and wave. This is Kathy Morris. <laughs> Kathy is one of our longest-serving small group leaders, and her ladies love her group. And so, when do you meet Kathy? Wednesday morning, 9.30, and you are, you are reading 2 Corinthians together. Okay? So, great group. I'm sorry. This Wednesday it starts. So talk to Kathy if you want to join her group, and we'll make sure that your group gets into church center. I don't know how that happened. I'm sorry about that. She just gave me a dirty look. <laughs> don't know what to do with that. <clears throat> okay, that's all I have to say about that. I'm going to let you go. Thank you for being here today. Next Sunday... Next Sunday uh, is going to be a special Sunday. Our Mexico mission team is going to be giving uh, kind of a report about their, their mission trip. And our dear friends, missionaries to Kenya, Jay and Cheryl Taylor, will be sharing as well. So next week is a mission Sunday. Don't miss it. And then we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 this Sunday after that. Have a great week, everybody. Love you so much. We'll see you soon.